With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Abundant Solutions Hour. Our goal is to help others be more, do more, and have more. I'm your host, Gregory Turner. And I'm your co-host, Brian J. Henderson. Brian, how you doing? Good, good. You I know, Greg, you I thought I'd had that music turned off, but I guess it's just going to force itself on us this week. <laughs> <laughs> That's what it seems like, but Brian, we have a really, really special show tonight. Yes, we do. Yes, we it's, do. It's going to free a lot of people. We have some very powerful, powerful people. And I tell you what, Brian, we have two men that's going to come on here and, and do some things that and say some things that a lot of people would not confess doing. It, it takes a lot of courage to come out and do what they're doing, but I, I, I welcome them with open arms because it's needed. It's not something that they should keep to themselves. And trust me, Brian, they're going to reach a lot of men and they're going to touch a lot of women tonight. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. I, I think that people will definitely be blessed by this, but at the same time, they're going to be shocked by what they hear. Yeah, yeah. And so we want to, we want you all to have an open mind, as well as you know, just an open heart to listen. Yes. And Brian, you know, we have a really special supporter tonight, and that's Hasina Web Design. That's H A S I N A webdesign.com if you want your website done please give her, the owner Ayana give her a call the number is 336-847-0562 and Brian I'll tell anybody to go to her website because she's doing some wonderful wonderful things out there and she's not just doing it for just regular folk like you and me Brian she's doing it for movie stars and, and gospel artists, and she's just doing it. Just go to her website. Again, mm-hmm. it's H-A-S-I-N-A webdesign.com. The owner is Ayana. Give her a call at 336-847-0562. And, Brian, we also have two beautiful women on tonight. Well, we're going to have three, four. Actually, we're going to have four. Oh, and yeah. They I'm sure we'll have women. more than that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. We, they are survivors, mm-hmm. and Brian, I'm just so ready. I don't want to waste any more time. I know we only have two hours tonight. There's a special show, but we want to bring in, uh, and Brian, if you can, go ahead. You can introduce our first guest. All right. Well, stand by. Let me get all the information together because we got a lot of people on tonight. Oh, yeah. All right. Our, our special guest tonight, uh, author Tony Gaston's. Best-selling author. Best-selling author, Tony Gaston's Jr., we have Sir Rod Heaver. Is that correct? I want to make sure I'm saying his name right. Rod Heaver. We have uh, Minister Sonia Mosley. And we have Sister Janelle Thompson. And if you watched Oprah on March 19th, then you had a chance to see Tony and Sir and uh, their whole issue of our tonight 
topic of why do men beat women. And we're going to let Tony tell you his story, and then we'll go to Rod. I mean, I'm, uh, Sir, I, I don't know why I want to call him Sir Rod. <laughs> but uh, we'll go to uh, Sir, and then we'll go to the ladies and let yeah. them tell their stories. But first off, let's bring in Tony. And let me find Tony. Tony is right there. Tony, you're live. Yes, sir. How y'all doing? How you wonderful, doing, wonderful. We're glad to have you. You know, Tony, everybody saw you on Oprah. Everybody was calling me, texting me, emailing me, asking me, who is this guy, Tony? And the reason they were emailing and texting me, uh, Tony, because I was trying to pub the show. I was trying to let them know that they needed to go on and see it, but I didn't tell them why they needed to see the show. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tony, can you tell us why you felt the need to go on Oprah? And tell in graphic, I mean, in graphic detail, why you did some of the things that you did. Um, well, I, in a sense, I dedicated my life to service. And Christ tells us in his word that there's nothing hid that won't come to the light. And I realized that as humans, we have to take those skeletons out of our closet give them a proper burial, and uh, turn our pain into praise. We have to allow that pain that we've been through to bring change to the world. But so often times it's, it's human nature to want to wanna hide those things, those past experiences. And, and when you do that, God can't really use you because he gets the glory in people seeing where you've been but seeing where you are now. And so that's why I felt that. God sent me to the largest stage in the world, in America, to tell my story because he said, you know, other people had offered me the opportunity to tell it like Tyra Banks, but God said, no, I don't want you speaking to a few people. I want you speaking to everybody. So I'm going to send you to the number two talk show in the nation. And he sent me there to tell my story along with Sir, and he had a, he had a plan. When I sat down by Sir and I heard his story, I say, okay, this is a confirmation that this was God, that he put this together. This pain is now praise. Oh, wow. You know, and one of the most important things about when you told your story is that, you know, most people, when they tell a story like that, they relive it. But what, I, I've, what I know about you is that you've overcome the situation you've been through and so you're not reliving the story. You're just retelling the story. Right. Oh, definitely. And that's what I that's what I did. I told it. And a lot of times, like uh, Robin Gibbons, she was on the show, and she said I remind her of Mike Tyson when I cried. She, y'all didn't see this. This was after the show. And I had to jump in there real quick because I had to tell her I'm, I'm not crying for sympathy. I'm not crying uh, for women to feel sorry for the for me or because I'm not with that same woman, you know, this four years ago for me. I'm crying because when I think about the grace that saved me, it moves me to tears. And she's like, oh, oh, I'm sorry. I'm, it moves me to tears also. But I, And I had, I was serious about that thing. So with me, it's definitely not something that I relive. I, God has forgiven me. Um, mm-hmm. I had to forgive myself, and I hope that the young lady, 
um, saw that Oprah show and saw that I come forward because she probably was thinking, oh, he writing books and he motivational speaking, and people don't know what he used to do to me. And so God sent me there for a reason, so that the devil can't take what's in my past and throw it up in my face because he got places for me to go. God got a message for me to bring to the people, and and that's why I went. Yes, okay. Mm-hmm. So, Tony, um, all of the people listening right now, we have a ton of people listening on Facebook, MySpace, and just, just everywhere people are listening and calling in. All right. A lot of people, some of them didn't see you on Oprah. Right. What What is your story? What was it, and what was the reason that you went on Oprah? Um. Well, as far as, far as my story, I was I was an abusive boyfriend probably, I think I was 20, 21 I'm 25 now, and I I got with a female that um, I tried to change. We were total opposites, and one thing I learned in that, that as humans, you can't change another human. And, you know, she drank, she smoked, she cursed. I did none of the three. Uh, She clubbed. I didn't club. She was loud and outgoing. I was different. But at that point in time in my life, I didn't know who I was. I had an idea what I thought was my purpose turned out not to be my purpose. I was lost. I was confused. I hadn't been affirmed. I didn't know who I was. I didn't know love. I was incapable of loving someone else because I hadn't experienced the realest and truest form of love. I'm not talking about from a parent to a child, but, I mean, inside of a relationship, I didn't know what love or relationship was. And my ideas in at first was to change this person because I knew God and I knew he was taking me somewhere although I wasn't there yet and I wasn't living right I felt like that I needed a person with me to be all the way right and then I could get right but what I learned in that is that you must first complete yourself before you know looking for someone else to complete you and um when I realized I couldn't change her you know whether she talking to another guy or whether she come home drunk or I just do anything. It really didn't have to, any type of disagreement. It led me. I went into a rage. There was so much self-hate and so much suppressed rage in me that I exploded. And I felt like that I had put so much into the relationship trying to change her, which it was all uh, evil. It wasn't nothing. None of it was pure. I wanted to control. I didn't want a thinking, breathing smart, ambitious young lady. I wanted a slave in a sense. And um, and when she wasn't that, I, I just, I became abusive. I would hit, push, pull, kick, slap. It was just in that moment that you go into a rage. And it lasted for about a year. But the craziest thing was that she, there were, there was no aversive consequences. Um, she would reinforce it, and the reason being because she hadn't been affirmed. She was lost. She had no what she had for self-worth and what she had for her identity. I stole it and sold it, and I stripped her of that. I, I demeaned her. I demoralized her, and everything that she thought was true, I made it a lie. I um, it, it was basically out of you know me being in that lost state in my life, and uh. She would reinforce it. She would uh, go shower, and she would come out smiling, kind of, you know, dancing or whatever, trying to seduce me. 
at this moment, I didn't want to have sex. I didn't want to do anything with her because I was just so, me beating on her in a sense was beating myself. I was, it's so much bigger than, and people try to label domestic violence, oh, it's it's a man and and he beating a woman. And yes, yes, she's a victim, but in a sense, both parties are the victim. And you're going through this because that is the devil trying to choke the gift out of you, trying to choke your purpose out of you. And looking at where your guests are today, if you look at all of us and you see that every one of us has a reason and a purpose and a gift, and that's why we're on the show tonight, and going through domestic violence was the devil trying to strangle that gift. And people don't understand that in this, this is spiritual warfare. Hers, my spirit, these demons in me and the demons in her, they were feeding it each other. That her spirit of uh, low self-esteem and uh, uh, insecurity, and then my spirits of insecurity and uh, deception and lies and lust, fornication, them, them spirits, they, they warring. And that's when Christ comes in, and that's why. And I was trying to be the spirit. Uh, in flesh and blood. I was wrestling in flesh and blood when this was something that was bigger than me. And it ate me alive. It tore me up. Me beating her was beating myself. And I I realized that probably after about a year. And the crazy thing was that she didn't leave. She didn't escape the relationship because she didn't know what she deserved. She didn't know what she wanted. No one had ever really told her. But I desired a change. God spoke to me in a subtle voice. And I felt like, and I knew that I was bigger than that. And it's crazy, and so it may sound, my situation may be a unique one. But in this, God started to uh, extract me from this relationship. And I I got a bad taste in my mouth for it. And I started to change my life, in a sense, and seek and desire something more. And when God showed up, I began to accept it, and I no longer start trying to fight that spiritual battle with, with with my fists. And I start to try to pray and overcome it that way. And so that's what I say to the women, and I don't know if y'all was going to ask this question, is that in this you have to realize that there's a demon inside of this man, but at the same time his spirit's inside of that woman that has her accepted. Until, and until we give that until we hear the subtle voice of Christ speaking to us, we're incapable of leaving, we're incapable of changing, we're incapable of overcoming that behavior. And that's what it was with me. I heard it. But one thing with that spirit, that spirit, that, that, that demon, he can't exist with love. Just like Superman has kryptonite and uh, vampire hates the daylight, that evil spirit cannot exist with true love. And when I found true love, when I experienced true love, when I saw the example of Jesus Christ, when I saw what it was to be a real man, when I learned patience, temperance, long-suffering, humility, forgiveness, and giving, when I learned that my other half is supposed to be taken care of and presented blemish-free, spot-free as Christ presents us to his Father. The way he loves the church, that's how I'm supposed to love my other half. When I learned those things, that's what began to change my life. Hmm. Awesome, awesome, awesome. You know, we want to bring on Sir because we want to hear his story as well. So if you would just hold on just a second, Tony. Let me bring in Sir because Sir has a has a an intriguing story as well. Sir, are you live? Are you there? Yeah. Yeah. You All right. Wonderful. 
How's so everybody tell doing? us your story. Uh, my story is uh, basically grew up in a in a in an abusive uh, household. Uh, a lot of my I noticed as a, as I as I got older, a lot of my interaction with my wife when it came to disagreements reflected that of my parents. Uh, the um, the constant uh, verbal abuse. Um, the the escalating into a, a physical abuse, and uh, I think it was you know I, I was physical in the past before I met my wife, but I wasn't as physical. I never actually hit a woman, and I remember uh, growing up, I always looked for approval from others. Never saw self value. Always had to find the approval in others. Uh, you know, kind of had this motto of living for for others and. Uh, what happened through that was I don't think I ever found value in myself, and uh, I have I have a, a a persona of confidence. But when I was alone, I would uh, going back to what Tony was saying. I was just uh, fighting the demons inside and had a had a lot of hate for myself. And I think finding value in myself was was by degrading my wife. It was by putting her down. And putting the women in my life around, and what 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 it came to was uh, the first time I ever hit my wife, um, and it, I just I remember sitting in the car. I went straight to the car and and uh, just loaded my gun and, and and was like, I'm done. I I, I don't like the man I've become, and, and I'm I'm not enabling someone. I'm crippling this this woman. You know, I'm I'm kind of stopping her from from continuing life in a positive way and I just uh I remember sitting there and loading my gun and I tried to shoot it three times and um it wouldn't fire and throughout my teens ever since I was around 13 on it I every so many months I try and commit suicide different ways uh you know taking pills hanging myself and so forth and uh just always had a, a thing of my emotions um were by cutting myself. I was a self-mutilator. And uh, my wife had a big part in me coming to Christ, and that was by her stepping up as a, as a woman and saying, I'm worth more than this. And she filed the restraining order. Um, that kind of let me know she was, you know, she, you know, that she wasn't going to be quiet about it anymore. It went on for two years. I mean, there was times where, like I said on, on the Oprah show, there was times where I sat on her stomach and covered her mouth and her nose at the same time and was just like, you're done. There was times where we were driving and she'd say something that just got to me and I would just reach over and I would choke her until she passed out. And uh, I had a lot of hate in me at that time. And when she left me, God let me experience something. Uh, he, he allowed me to witness my passing of my aunt at a young age, and uh, no one knew we were separated. My aunt I, you know, looked at me and said, how are you and Christy doing? I was like, oh, we're doing great. We're doing good. And she goes, you know, if you don't try, you'll never know. But if you try and it fails, at least you tried. And I'm like, okay. And I got to see her pass on and, and the reaction of my uncle going on about if I would have had, if I didn't argue that night, I have a half hour more with her. If I didn't argue this night, he was just every night for, for about a, you know, two, three weeks straight. And I remember I called my wife. I said, what do we got to do? Because I'm not going to live a life of regret. What do I got to do? And she said, we got to have Christ in the middle of our marriage. And I said, okay. I came home. I took that leap of faith. 
and, and gave my life to him. And, and what happened was through that, through seeing what Christ did on the cross, and, and a lot of the times uh, I lead an evangelism team, and a lot of the times when we go out, I try to express to somebody how much God loves them. And I start off by saying this is how much God hates sin, is that he don't even associate, this is how perfect God is, he doesn't even associate with sin. So that automatically puts a gap between us, right? And, and, you know, they agree. And I say, now imagine this. You know, imagine somebody running in your house, and they, you hear commotion coming from your child's room. And you get up and you run over there, and there's a bunch of dudes beating up your child. And you go to step in because that's your parent, parent instinct. You go to step in and protect your child, and someone grabs you and says, if you step in, I'm going to kill the other kids and your wife or your husband. I'm going to kill your parents. I'm going to kill all your relatives if you step in and protect this one child. And you hear your child saying, protect mommy, protect brother, protect sister, and they take the child out to the front yard, and now the commotion has the neighbors outside, and they're accusing your child of stealing. And you say, well, my child was with me last night, and they're saying, don't step in, no, 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 no. And they start beating your child, and they're stripping them, and they're mocking them, and they're embarrassing them. And you can't watch anymore, you turn away, and your child says, dad, why have you forsaken me? And it's killing you inside. Would, could you do something like that? And, and to bring that home and say, God did that for you. And you, at that time, you know, let's say those people said, if you step in and protect your son, we're going to kill the family two blocks down the street. You'd be like, go ahead, that's my son. I don't know those people. You're that person two blocks down the street that God said, that's okay. They don't know me, but I love them. I'm going to protect them. I'm going to do everything. I'm going to let you have my son so that I can have a relationship with that person. When I realized that I was so guilty, transgressing the, transgressing the perfect law of God, and that his son came in the courtroom and said, hold on, I'm going to take the death penalty and the life sentence for this young man, and he don't even know me. It inspired me. And this is something that I, that I, I think a lot of the people on Oprah had a hard time, uh, that the gentleman Kevin and, and, and Robin had a hard time kind of grasping, was that it was a faith, it, it was a re- a faith that led to obedience. It, it, it grieves me to know that I'm not doing my father's will. It grieves me to know that I'm not pleasing my father. And that is the only thing that's changed me from being the man that I was that saw no self-value. My value is only in Christ and the fact that he laid his life down for me. I saw no self-value. I saw I didn't know how to love a woman. Christ has showed me how to love my worst enemy. Christ has showed me how to love the man that, as a youth that, that took advantage of me. Christ has showed me how to just be the man that would that would tell a woman, you're, you're precious. You're precious. Because I never thought women were precious. Yes. Sir, you know? what, yeah, sir when you look at your wife now, and, and I remember I saw you on Oprah, and I, and I heard you say how you, uh, you, you were driving and you reached over and you choked her until she passed out. Now that you know who you are, now that you know who your wife is and you know your value and your worth, when you look at your wife now, what do you see? When I look at my wife, when I even think about my wife, I smile. And it wasn't always like that. I would used to think about her and just be like, man, what did I get myself into? And I look and I think about her now and I just smile. She goes all out. She has the biggest heart. She is a woman that does so much to try and please me. And even now, if there's times where I don't give her 
the appreciation that she's deserving, you know, and with the distractions of life or whatever. But I think of her now, and I see this woman that is sold out for the Lord. That is beautiful. I never thought that would be so beautiful. Um, I see a woman that's, you know, we have seven kids, and she stays home and, and works her butt off. And then when I get home, she, you know, she, she tries to make my night pleasant. And I see this woman that just has has so much virtue and, and has, has so much value to me, and not in the sense of, of money, but I wouldn't know where I would be without her. And, and there's times where I'll, I'll think of like, man, what what would I be if I would have finished high school? And I say, you know what, I probably wouldn't have met my wife, and it's not worth it if I wouldn't have met my wife. Because my wife is the key that God used to bring me to him. And my wife is, she, she, it sounds corny because Jerry Maguire, but she completes me. You know, she really is my other half. You know, we don't see eye to eye on things, and that's my other half. You know, that's what, what makes it so great is that she shows me another side of life. Mm, powerful. And when I spoke with your wife, I, you know, I, I said the same thing when you and I spoke over the phone uh, the second time we talked. We, and we're definitely going to pull her. We're going to pull her on the phone in, in, in a little bit. But, uh, sir and Tony, man, I tell you, uh, my heart goes out to you guys. And it is so important for people to hear um, from guys, from men, that care enough for other women to come forward and say, this has to stop, and this is why I did what I did, and I no longer do that. I can be delivered. You can be delivered from this. I would like to add something. Sure. Women, when men and women are in that type of relationship, there's a, there's there more than likely a lot of verbal abuse from the male, and he does that because he he it makes him feel better it makes him give himself some value and some worth and it gives him some sort of control and power in reality that man is weaker than that woman has ever been because he has to to go to that level you know does that make sense yes it does you know mm-hmm. he's actually i've had a woman ask me well why would you do something like that and i said in reality i'm weaker than what she has ever been at that point if she would have left me, the only way I know how to handle it was by anger. But in reality, she could have said two or three words that hit right home, and I would cry when she wasn't around just because it was like, that's so true. Mm, powerful. Mm. Powerful. Okay, next we're going to go to Minister Sonia Mosley. Hello? Yes, you're live on the Abundant Solutions Hour. Is this Miss Mosley? Yes, it is. Prophetess Mosley, how are you? I'm good. You know, we want to hear, you've heard from Tony and Sir, now we finally have a woman that has gone through this fire, survived it. And, Brian, you've seen her picture. You've, you've talked to her over the phone. She's mm-hmm. pretty as ever. I mean, uh, she, she's out helping. She's in the community. She's in the church. She's doing everything that she can do. She's not home, um, depressed. Um, she's 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 moved on with her life, and Prophet uh, Mosley, I want to know what can the women out there that are stuck in that situation with their husband right now that's listening because we know they're listening. 
what can they do to get themselves together to get out of that relationship? What can they do? They got to first, um, what I had to do is, is find myself again. Um, and I like what um, Tony said, um, be affirmed, know that you're, you're affirmed by, by Christ and know your self-worth. So I had to find myself again and find strength to know that I deserve better than this. I, w- I was created, you know, to, to be treated better than this because God came that I might have life and have it more abundantly. And I knew that God had a better way and better treatment for me. And you have to just pull from within, you know, for them that may not, you know, know Christ and know how to, you know, you know, pull from, you know, Christ and know how to pray you have to reach out for for positive reinforcement. You know, hear people that will speak positive in your life to to know that you you know you deserve better than this. To just kind of open up your eyes and know that this is not normal. This is not not right, and you don't deserve this. So you know, if they're listening tonight, you know to know that their their purpose and their destiny is greater than what's being done to them. That their life has meaning. And that that wasn't God's intent for them to be abused and and beat down and beat on. And so once I just really grasped hold and found myself again to know that this is, I don't deserve this. No matter how many times it was told that I did, you know, the God in me let me know that, no, this is not God's intent for my life. Wow. And, you know, I think it's important that, you know, for one, that we've done a show like this, because I can't recall hearing a show where you have, you know, not just men who were abusers, but also survivors all on the same line. You know, and I think it's just it's just a testament to what God can do, because he's brought us all together to do something like this so that we can help others. You know, and I think that's just so that's just so awesome. You know, but I want to – oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. And as I may add, um, first, and also understand that it is abuse. Sometimes we want to, you know, downplay it as if it's just, you know, they're having a bad day or, you know, it's just normal or just kind of play it down. I think once we realize that it is abuse for so long, I, I wouldn't, you know, give it that title that this is abuse, this is bad treatment. You know, I just kind of played it down that, you know, he was just having a bad day or, you know, if I just do more or just, you know, whatever, that, you know, maybe things will change. But I think you have to identify that it is abuse. I mean, come to to reality with it, to know that this treatment is wrong. Yeah, yeah. I want to bring on Sister Janelle Thompson because I know she has a story that she wants to tell. Sister Thompson, you're live on the Abundant Solutions Hour. Hello. Hi, Hello. Janelle. How are you? And thank you Good, for coming on. How are you? <laughs> thank yes. you for having me. Yes. Janelle, we, we know that you and Sonia both were in bad situations. And now you're a model, you're a mom, and you're, and you're married, and you've gone on with your life. And I think you were young. I, I, I can't remember. Um, you and I, we talked so much, but I just can't remember the the age of when you went through this. But I was, uh, um, uh, Go ahead. I'm sorry. No, I was going to say I was 17. Yes. Okay. As a teenager, 
going through something like this, it why is it that teenagers tend to keep this in and, and don't let anybody know that it's going on? Well, for me, it was because um, I felt it was punishment for a lot of reasons. Um, I skipped school, so I felt that if I told what happened, I would really get in trouble because I was supposed to be in school and I wasn't. I was someplace else. So I was like, okay, well, that's my punishment for for cutting school that day. Um, but I guess a lot of people don't want to deal with judgment mm-hmm. in in that aspect. So they a lot of them just keep quiet. Wow. And you know, it's it's so it, it's amazing that you said that that you felt it was punishment. Because a lot of times that's what abusers will do. And I'm sure Tony and Sir can back me up on this. They'll make you feel like it was your fault. You know, they'll take the power away from you. And once you've given that power away, you know, it's like um, it was your fault. You shouldn't have made me upset. And, you know, and they'll talk about those reasons, and it's never their fault. Even though they'll say, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to do this, it'll never happen again. Mm-hmm. I would and, agree. And, yeah. yeah. And, and Janelle, you, you heard Tony um, when he was on Oprah. He talked about how he would be. Uh, I'm not. I, I guess I can use the word conniving and setting the woman up and and learning her ways and just being being able to play on her emotions. Uh, did your boyfriend at the time? Did he do that to you to make you think that? You know, he was in your head, and he could make you do certain things and 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 feel a certain way that you would pretty much would forgive him for the things that he did. Well, in in my instance, it only happened one time, and for me, that was enough. But the repercussions that led up to it, I developed a certain way a certain way of thinking in my mind. So. Even though I didn't, I never got to the point in, in other relationships where abuse would come in physic, physically, but there was that emotional and mental abuse as well. Mm. Wow, and, and it's so sad now. Now that you look back on it, and I know you're mentoring a lot of the young girls in your in your area in the community. What are some of the things that they're seeing? Because see, times have changed. Domestic violence, it, 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 that's the same. That's, I don't think that's ever going to change. But I think the way that the, the, the young girls are um, looking at this is, oh, he loves me. This, this is why he's doing this. And in your interaction with the youth, what are they saying? Is this the same thing that you're hearing? Oh, yes, it's definitely the same thing I'm hearing. And I just, you know, let them know that's not love because I – I was in that mindset thinking that um, because let me just try and explain what happened. Um, my boy, well, my boyfriend at the time, I thought I quote unquote questioned his love, so um, he told me to come to his house, and it was Valentine's Day, so I was thinking, okay, you know, Valentine's Day gonna have presents and gifts and everything, and it just turned into a day of rape and abuse. And when I when I, I thought I wasn't gonna 
make it. I thought I wasn't going to live. And when I actually walked out the door, I said to myself, I will never, ever in my life tell anyone how I truly feel. I will never tell, question anything about a relationship, if I, if, even if I have proof that someone doesn't love me or is cheating on me. I'm not going to say anything because that, because my mind was thinking that okay, if I say something, this is going to, this is what's going to happen to me. Wow. Tony, uh, Tony, are you there? Is, is Tony still here with us? Let me check. I'm here. I'm here. Oh, Tony, you there? Yes, sir. I'm here. Did, did, did you hear what Janelle just said about her not? She was just going to keep everything to herself. Right. Yeah. Is is this something that um, when you were out doing, when you were doing, is this something that you guys made sure that the women uh, kept to themselves and not, you know, that you you made them feel a certain way to the point that they they felt so humiliated that they wouldn't trust anybody else? Is this something that that um, that that the goal of a of, of an abuser? Well, first first I, I want uh, people to understand that. When when you're an abusive man, you never plan to be an abuser. You don't go in and say, hey, I'm a man that beats on women, so I want to deceive her and control her so I can beat her. That For me personally, that was never my plan. I wanted to control her. I did want to make her feel like I was the best thing that ever happened to her and I was God's gift to her. I did want to, but never once did I want to beat on a woman. I wasn't raised that way. I, I didn't think it to be uh, normal or manly in any way, but that just goes to show how strong that spirit is when, when you don't have purpose and when you don't know who you are, and that rage takes over you. And so her not telling, in a sense, was almost just human nature because you wouldn't tell anyone either because you didn't want people looking down on you or thinking bad about you, and it's not something that you were proud that you did as a man. You you know it's not manly. You Everybody knows a man should never hit a woman. So this is something that you want to keep, you know, quiet and keep in the closet also. But what that one, what, what we have to teach these young women is that that man, like Sir said, is weaker than she has ever been. And her enduring that actually shows her strength at that time. And she has to realize that right then in that man's life, he, he's a little boy. It don't matter how big he is, how strong he is, he's a little boy. So the best thing she can do is tell. Call the police, tell uh, her, her pastor, her teacher, or someone, because in a sense, that, that man is afraid. Now, in, in the midst of that rage, is he's not afraid of anything. He probably will kill anything that gets in his path, but that's the demon in him. But what I teach the young women in my mentoring classes and that come to me is that in a time of peace, prepare for war. That man is battling himself. He's fighting a battle within himself. In the battle, you can't prepare right then. You have to fight. But when it calms down, when, when he has his head in his hands, an hour later or the next day while you're planning your escape, in that time of peace, prepare for war. No right then that that man is fighting a battle. No right then that that man has not been affirmed. He has no purpose. He doesn't know who he is. So you as a woman, introduce love to him by going to him, sitting to him, and telling him, like Sir said, his wife could break him down in a few words that hit home. That's what you have to speak to that man. Say, I know you're better than this. I know that you're meant 
for something in this world. I know that you have a purpose. I know that you're gifted and you're talented. I know that you don't want to hit me. You don't mean to, but you don't understand love, and neither do I, and this isn't what love is. And you speak into that man when he's peaceful. So, therefore, when, it, when he gets mad again, he'll remember that and he'll think of that. And that, that is a part of what we need to be teaching these young women, not, not just, you know, of course, they're naturally going to be silent, but when we teach them about that man and his mind state, then they'll realize, okay, I have the power to speak and this is what I ought to do. Wow. You know, I think uh, Sister Mosley was trying to say something. Go ahead. Yes, I I was in a marriage, the marriage, for about six and a half years, and and I heard Janelle say that she wouldn't, you know, didn't want to tell. I know in my situation, you know, you feel the embarrassment and the shame, and then, you know, you have this um, verbal abuse, you know, to make you feel like, you know, it's your fault or whatever. But also, it it was hard because he would be, you know, one way at home, and then when we get in church, you know, around other people, you know, it was hard for people to believe that I was going through this behind closed doors, you know, almost to the point where some people just really did not believe me, you know what I'm saying, when I finally just said, you know, I need, we need some counseling, we need something, and, you know, and sometimes in churches, they don't want to deal with, you know, that there is domestic violence going on right there in, quote, Christian homes. And some may not know how to deal with it, but the door needs to be able to be open for people to go and, and seek help and seek counseling and don't just judge a book by its cover because you see this great front that's being put on. And, you know, so for me it it was hard to really open up because he would be, you know, one way at church, I mean, sweet to everybody, but when we got behind closed doors, you know, this part of him that, that came out, and and I hear Tony saying, you know, speak to speak to that spouse or whatever or that significant other other when they're peaceful. But he was the kind of man that you just could not speak into whatever his his issues or his his turmoil or whatever only God knows was so deep and so rooted in so many years. He didn't even know how to accept love. He didn't know how to accept kindness. He didn't know how to accept me loving him and, and, and trying to minister to to him. So it was hard to break break that shell. And in my case, you know, I've always was a strong woman, always independent. So the first thing he had to do to me before the physical abuse started was he had to work on my mind. He had to break me down mentally. But he was a man that wanted control, and, and, and that's something that he, couldn't totally, totally have with me. I mean, because I always say it was two things that he couldn't take. That was my my relationship with Christ and my determination to survive. Those are two things that's so embedded in me that nobody can take from me. And he just did not, he could not get control the way he wanted. So, you know, it, it's, I mean, you, you feel shame about everything you're going through because as a Christian that, you know, I didn't grow up in abuse. I didn't, I my dad never hit my mom. I, I never hit, hear any, you know, loud talking or whatever. So I didn't grow up accustomed to all this. So all this was just, it was not comfortable for me. 
And so, you you know, you want to, and family, and the enemy knew family and marriage was important to me because my mom and dad divorced when I was 12. And so, but I knew what family, a family unit was, and I knew what marriage was because I saw my mom and dad have a good marriage. But, I mean, sometimes I feel like churches may not know how to, to, to open the door for people to come and say, look, I'm being abused. You know, I heard pray more than anything, pray about it. You know, prayer is good. I mean, it's it's in order, but you got to give people more to go on and just pray. People are hurting, coming to church better than bruised. I mean, I would go through things through the week, be beat down on Saturday, and then Sunday, you know, go in and put on this front, and I leave wounded and, and, and come in wounded and leave wounded. You know, but, I mean, we really need to open our eyes and understand that this issue is real. And just like Tony said, I mean, it. It, we're hurting them. Both both of us were victims, you know, because I actually, you know, I wouldn't say that I wasn't bitter at first, but I, I, I forgave and I almost, you know, felt sorry for them because I knew it was something greater than me that even my love could not could not heal in him, that it was something that only God can, can, can do in him. But because he would never admit that he had a problem, never admit that he needed help, you know, I don't know to this day if he's gotten the help that he needs. Hmm. If you're just joining us, you're listening to the Abundant Solutions Hour, and tonight's topic is why men beat women. And if you're a caller on the line, please hold on. We're going to take uh, questions from the callers at the 10 o'clock hour. So just hold on to the line. We're going to get to you at the 10 o'clock hour. But right now, we want to bring on another special guest, and that is Miss Christy. And if I could get to her number. Miss Christy, are you there? I'm here. Hi, awesome. Christy. Hi, how are you? Yes. To All everyone, right. everyone listening, this is Sir's wife. And I think Tony, I think Brian had a question for her. Well, no, I was just going to say, tell us who you are, but you already told them who she was. <laughs> I'll beat her to it. Yeah. You know, let us know from your perspective, Christy, because each issue uh, dealing with domestic violence is a little bit different. Mm-hmm. And we've heard what, what Sir talked about, but now we want to hear from you. Um, specifically, well, I'm sorry, what do you want to specifically hear? Just what happened or? Yeah, we want to hear, we want to hear. What happened from, in your words, of of the situation and how you were able to deal with it? Okay. Um, well, uh, when I was barely, I was 17 years old, and um, I've known my husband since I was probably 10 or 11. He was my best friend's brother. Um, and once I turned um, 17, um, you know, I started just, you know, I started thinking that, okay, I wanted to get married, and, um, um, you know, I I started realizing my feelings for Sir, and right before I turned 18, I had contacted Sir, and I, um, you know, I wanted to meet up with him and catch up, you know, and see how he was doing, and um, immediately, um, from the day we we met up again, um, we, there wasn't a day that went by that we weren't with each other, so two weeks, um, 
two weeks before I turned 18, we were together, and then a month after I turned 18, we ended up getting married. So we were only really together for maybe six to eight weeks, and then we got married. Um, and then I would say within the first month um, was when the abuse started, and I didn't, um, I, you know, that's not, I wasn't the kind of person to be in an abusive relationship. So for me, it kind of took me back. I was in you know, I was kind of in shock, like, no, this isn't happening. Maybe I was in denial. <laughs> um, and then I had gotten pregnant five months into the marriage. And so during my pregnancy, you know, I just started realizing who my husband was. I started seeing um, things that I never knew about him before. Um, I think it was Sonia who was saying that, you know, her husband was one way at church or in front of people, and then he was another way behind closed doors. That was Sir to a T. He... Um, he is just so people just love him they absorb him he's he has so much character and um and he's always been that way so uh you know i didn't know the i didn't know the abusive side of him until um until we got married so while i was pregnant he was still very abusive um you know he mentioned that he would sit on my stomach and hold you know choke me and hold my breath, make me hold my breath, and all these things. He was doing that while I was pregnant. I think I was five months pregnant, and he was sitting on my stomach. And the weird thing is, is I, we joke about it now, but even in his sleep, he was very angry. He used to knee me in the stomach while he was sleeping. He would punch me. I mean, he was very abusive even while he was sleeping. It was just, he was angry. Um, and the abuse went on for a long time in different fashions. I mean, he was very... Um, he he loved to choke. That was his thing. He he was more drawn to choking me. But, you know, every now and then, you know, I remember he picked me up and threw me maybe two or three yards across the hallway, and I hit a wall, and I had bruises all up and down my leg, and um, it, just different things. So he was very abusive, and he was very good at being manipulative and very good at, um, you know, as a young, I was still very young, so I didn't know who I was quite yet, and he, you know, he was very good at, um, telling me how stupid I was and how I wasn't smart because I was so young and, you know, just all of these things. So the way he worded things, um, he really took away myself, my self-value. I didn't know who I was and, you know, just just that kind of stuff. So, um, you know, he was just, he, you know, he was the abuser. Um, you, I mean, if you look up abuse in the, di- in the dictionary, you'll you would have seen his face. He was—he just had all the characteristics of what an abuser was, and um, you know, for a while I was in denial about it until it can, was continuous in my relationship, and then I realized what I got myself into. And by that point, I was already pregnant with the second child. So, um, you know, he always just said, "I, you know, I got you now. I kept you. This is why, you know, this is why I wanted you to marry me so soon. This is why I wanted to get you pregnant so you could never leave me." So. You know, you hear stories about girls doing that to men, but really in my husband's sick mind at that time, that was, he was doing that to me. Um, you know, he was six years older than me, so he kind of had a little bit more knowledge and wisdom and what life was about, and I didn't. So that was my husband then, um, and, I mean, he's a different person now, of course, but that's basically, you know, the first two years of our marriage and what that was like. Well, Christy, I, I want to ask a question, and uh, sir, are you there? Yes, sir. Uh, we're getting questions in the chat room, and one of the questions is, why were you so angry? Well, what is it that made you and Tony so angry? What were you angry about? 
Um, I think my anger stemmed from not having self, not seeing any self-value, uh, knowing. I think the mind can can be. Um, mind's powerful, and in my mind, um, I knew my thoughts. I knew, uh, you know, some of the things I had I had gone through. Um, I was molested as a, as a young man and struggled with am I gay? You know, because you know, uh, I had a very I had a dad that you know he was a military dad and he was an abusive dad. Not you know he was an abusive man, and I always searched for approval in him. And even as an adult now, it's, it, I, I commonly say like to my superiors, like at work or something. I'm sorry, I say it a lot. Um, you know, like if I mess up, it's like I'm sorry. Hey, I just really want you to know I'm sorry. And it's 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 something I grew up doing is just saying sorry. And I'm not blaming my dad. He's he is also praise God a changed man as well. But uh, growing up through that, I think I think in in some way I felt like it robbed me of my manhood. Like I wasn't a man because I was always trying to seek the approval of other people. Uh, every boyfriend my mom had, I looked for his approval. Like, hey, you know, hey, can I, can I call you dad? Or, you know what I mean? It was just, there was something something there. And I think as in, as I got older, like Tony was saying, I wasn't affirmed. I didn't know who I was. And the fact that I didn't know who I was, I didn't know if I was, um, if the fact that a, that a man molested me as a youth, that I was gay, I didn't know if, you know, um, some of the thoughts that I had about, um, you know, wanting to take my frustration out in a physical way. I didn't know how to express emotion in a, in a way that made sense. My way to express mo- emotion was the only way I was raised how to express mo- emotion. That was physically and verbally in a negative way. And if I couldn't beat somebody up, um, I would literally take a knife and, and just cut my arm and cut my arm. Or I'd go out and I, I remember when my mom kicked me out of my house, I walked down the street and every street sign I saw, I had to punch it. And my goal was to try and break my knuckles and break my hand. I, was, I just had a lot of, because I wasn't a fr- I didn't know who I was. Wow. Tony, it, it, was that the case with you? Uh, no, sir. My my case was a little different. Um, mine, I I kind of I thought that a man was the end all, be all, and that a man was to control the relationship and call all the shots. Um, it's just what I thought. Uh, my father was a very very good man, a very strong and smart man, and uh, he he just had so much wisdom. To where he kind of ran his household, he he was ahead, you know. Nothing happened unless he said it was okay, and it wasn't in an abusive manner. It's just how it was. But me not understanding the role of a man, I mistook it, and I thought that it just was uh, a tyrant and just like a and controlling. And just when when you take and put it in a in a human sense, when you try to control everything around you when you don't just let things flow naturally and you control yourself and you adapt to the situation, but instead you're trying to control every element around you, when you can't control that, it pushes you to the edge. And not knowing what to do when you get to the edge, that is the problem. And that's when I would jump. And so I just was I was just trying to control the human being instead of... Um, representing love and representing temperance and patience, I try to control her. And so I, I would find myself in a rage um, when she would come back home drunk and I didn't drink, didn't even know what alcohol tasted like. 
and she would be drunk. And I'm like, man, I'm spending money. I'm wasting my time. And, and you getting drunk, you know, your name tattooed across my stomach. I'm trying to marry you and you drunk. Or I would push her to a point to say, you know, go find another man. See if another man can love you or treat you better than I can. And I wasn't even treating her good, but the thing was that she didn't understand or know how she was supposed to be treated. And so I would catch on the phone with another man or catch her looking at another man when I was the one that drove her to that point, and then I would, you know, go into a rage. And so I, and mine was a little was a little different, but it basically came from me trying to change a person and not understanding at that time that you can't change people. Only God can do that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Brian, are you there? Yes. Yeah, I'm sure you I know you have a question for him. Well, no, actually, my question was going to be for Janelle. You know, I listened to her talk about how it happened to her one time, but I'm almost certain that it affected that one time had a... Uh, profound effect on you and I want to know how did how did that affect you in your future relationships um wow it had a a weird effect on me honestly I um I felt that if I wasn't um how do I want to say this the good guys I didn't like them it, it was like if if a guy I was dating, if he was, you know, a gentleman, treating me nice, polite, I tried to, I pushed him away because that's not what I was used to. Like just that one, that one instant just tainted my thinking and I thought, okay, I, I either have to be getting, you know, emotionally abused or verbally abused for for my boyfriend to, to show me that he loves me. Mm. That's so sad. That's 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 tough. That's tough. Yeah. And ladies and everybody on the call, Brian, I, I know you're hearing the same thing that I'm hearing. Yeah. And and that's everybody is a victim. Even the person that's doing what he's doing, that mm-hmm. person is a victim. Even that woman that's beating on the man, they're both victims. And Brian, we have someone I know that we're, we're going to bring in, in a little bit. Her name is Robin. We're going to bring her in in a little bit. But I had a question, uh, another question coming out of the chat room, and it's to Tony. Tony, you were talking about that spirit. That spirit. And, uh, and and she wants to know uh, where is this spirit coming from? Uh, you, you're not, are you born with it or are you not born with it? Where is it coming from? Um, for me, the spirit was there because the devil knew what I had to do. And I, I gave my life to Christ as a six-year-old. And you would think, oh, a six-year-old don't know who God is or what Christ is. But I, I remember being 10 years old crying out to the Lord in tears. I, my father had us read our Bible every day and write a summary of it. So God showed me at a young age, I probably was seven or eight, he showed me that he would give me a platform and that I would use that platform to teach others about Christ. So the devil knew what was put in me as a young man, and that is why he came to crush that gift. It's almost like when Jesus talked about uh, the planter planting seeds, and some seeds land on stony ground, some seeds land amongst the thorns, and then you got to see the land in good ground. And the devil, he put them thorns in me, that spirit, to choke that seed, to, to, to choke the life out of, 
uh, what God was trying to birth in me. And so that is where the spirit comes from. And that's why it's evident in the people that we have on the line tonight. I, every single person is doing something to better the world, to change people's lives. The devil knows that. And that's what he comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And that is why he uh, came in me and, and uh, sent me through the things that I went through and put them things, and even with Sir, sent him through those things and had him experience those things trying to crush him because he knew that if, that if, that if he couldn't crush him, that we was going to save hundreds of lives and, and introduce hundreds or even thousands or millions of people to Christ. But uh, we made it through, and that's what I say. That spirit can be, that spirit can exist with love. When Jesus went to cast the spirit out, they said, oh, no, please don't torment me. What you doing? Jesus, leave me alone. And, and like the one spirit wanting to take off running and went into the swine. And that's why I say with the women, why are you in it? Yes, try to get out, try to escape, even like uh, Christy did. She took that break. She, she got away. And then she gave Sir his time to to uh, question himself and spend time by himself. And then she came back and she showed him the love of Christ. And that's why I respect her. Many women, because they don't understand the dynamics of this thing, they don't understand the power in this inside of this, they'll look down on someone like Christian, oh, man, she she's stupid or she shouldn't have did that. But she did what Christ would have done. She forgave him and she loved him. And through her love, now he loves, and he knows love, and he shows love. And that is the key, that them spirits cannot exist with love. It's like oil and vinegar. They do not mix. And when that is in the picture, that it, it just can't live. Awesome. You know, I want to – go ahead. I want to uh, ask Sir a question. Is this you, Sir? Yeah. Uh, on, on what Tony was saying, uh, it's true. It's, it's God's kindness, patience, and goodness that leads us all to repentance. Uh, you you handle a situation. Uh, I, I was currently in a situation where I handled it two different ways, and I got two different outcomes. The first one was I walked into someone's office that had done something against me, and I questioned him and where he stood before the Lord, and I kind of came at him in attack mode. The second one was same scenario. I walked into the person's office and said, "Hey, look, I love you." The first reaction, he, he got on the defense and, and challenged everything I did as, as discipleship, evangelism. He challenged how I was before the Lord. The second instance, same gentleman came and said, I feel stupid looking at your face because of what I did against you, and I want to ask for your forgiveness. There's two different responses uh, responses to that. My wife handled hers as God did with us. He It was his kindness that led us to repentance. And that spirit that that that, that is so... Our, I say it's birthed in us because we come out of this world, we come out of the, the womb into a world that engraves worldly influences on us. Ephesians 2 uh, talks about the spirit that is now working in the sons of disobedience. You know, it's, we see things in this world and we think that it's about us. And we're so um, naive, I would say, to the spiritual realm, to the, the fact that there is the Holy Spirit of God that can dwell inside you and that there is the spirit of, of of disobedience as well. Okay, and that's so true. Right now, we we have a young lady on the call right now that reached out to me, and and she told me her story, and she also added the picture with it. And when I saw the picture, it looked as if the woman was dead. She had been beaten. 
She had been abused for such a long time. She was homeless, and she was pregnant. And I want I want Robin to come in, and I want uh, her to come in and tell us a little bit about how she was able to find her self-worth, how she was able to get out of her situation, because she wasn't with her family. She was with the guy's family. And you know how that is when you're in a home that everybody's condoning what that person is doing, or and no one else will take you in because you're not one of theirs. Robin, are you there? Yeah, I'm here. Hi, Robin. Thank you so much Hi. for agreeing to come on. What was it, Robin, that kept you alive in your when you were going through all of the, your dark days? What was it? Well, I I can only say that um, during that time I didn't have God in my life, but. I wasn't, you know, actively, you know, um, praying with God and, you know, having a relationship with him. But I can say now that God was the main purpose that I lived through, everything that I lived through, Um, through all the times that I was beaten, um, you know, when, you know, I didn't get out of the relationship until the worst had happened until I was actually, you know, beaten to almost death. I was stabbed and, you know, in the hospital. And when I woke up, I realized that, you know, it was God that saved me that night. And, you know, he had a purpose for me to, you know, he had something bigger for me to do. And so it's, it's basically just that. And I'm thankful that, you know, he has given me that chance because I... I could have very well died that night, and I just, I have so much gratitude for the fact that I'm here because, I and it, it's sad that, you know, nobody, I had, I didn't feel like I had an out. I just felt like I was stuck no matter where I went or anything that I did. He was always there, and I didn't have the support of, you know, anybody else to to get me out of that situation, and... I know that it was God that was there for me the the whole time. You know, uh, Robin, when when you came through this, this last, this this bad situation, it was an ugly, ugly nightmare when it happened, and you were in the hospital and you were black and blue. What do you think it was that kept you? That kept me? Yes. It, honestly, it was fact that I knew that God had done an amazing thing and I just and that was it and I you know and I said after when I woke up in the hospital I just you know I was like that's it you know God did something amazing for me and I'm going to you know give my life to God wow Wow. Brian, I know you're there. I know you're. Yeah. Jump, I know you're about to jump through the phone. <laughs> you know, the, I want her to tell. You know, because I want to. I want people to understand how real her situation was. Tell us what happened to you. Um, what happened to me was uh, basically uh, my boyfriend and I had had an argument, and I had previously been abused um, on a regular basis. Um, physically, emotionally, verbally, and um, an argument started and uh, looked at me and 
uh, he gave me this look, and I knew what the look was. I just could tell by the, you know, how his eyes were that I was going to get it. And I didn't want to, um, so I tried to do it fast and hope that it would, you know, not happen. But he began to beat me and punch me, and uh, I said, if you're going to do that here, please, you know, take it into the living room because our son was sleeping. And he said, fine, I'll do it. And he drugged me into the living room by my hair and just started punching me, kicking me in the face, kicking me in the stomach. Um, he had locked all the doors of the house, so I couldn't get out. And that was it. It just continued over and over again, just kicking me in the face, punching me in the face and the stomach. Um, I was on the floor, and I said, please don't. Don't, you're going to kill the baby, you're going to kill the baby. And he said, I'm going to cut the baby out of your stomach. And at that point, all I had was this vision of him doing this. And I just, I jumped as fast as I could to try to run out the front door, but it was locked. And I was turned, but then I, I must unlock it, and I was turning the knob and trying to pull it open, and it wouldn't come. So I said to myself, I have to run out the back door. So I ran out the door. And I got out two steps, and at that point he grabbed me, and I was in the corner huddling, and he pulled me with one hand and stabbed me in the chest with the other hand. And then he pulled the knife out, and I didn't feel him stab me because my adrenaline was so rushing, and all I saw was the blood. And I said, oh, my goodness, he stabbed me. And I started running, and somebody had come to the door, and I told them, and they, of course, threw him up against the wall. And at this point, I, my lung was punctured because he hit a lung. And I felt as though I was running really fast, but everything seemed slow motion. And I ran out through the house, and I had a split-second decision. Whose house do I go to, across the street or to the neighbors? And I just, something told me, go to my neighbors. And I went up to her steps, and as I was running up her steps, there were people going to her house, and I told them very quickly what had happened, and I left, I passed out on the porch, and they carried me inside, and he was, you know, they called 911, and I went to the hospital, and um, I was in the hospital for a month. He had actually punctured my heart, and they had sent me to a trauma hospital by Life Flight, and they were... They couldn't find the hole, and they told my parents and my family to go say goodbye to me, but they would actually never see me again. And my dad was in the waiting room with a man, and he was in there praying, and the doctors didn't know what else they could do for me. And my dad went and talked to them, and he said, you know, why don't you just, can you check one more time and just see if the knife pierced their heart? And so they said, okay, well, we'll we have one thing we can try. And they looked, and they came out and told them that they had found a hole in my heart, that it was pierced by the knife, and so the doctors were able to uh, fix that. But um, I did. I was four months pregnant, and I lost my baby. Wow. And where is this guy now? Um, he's actually living in Maryland. He spent uh, four. He spent ten years in prison, and he was just released two years ago. Hmm. Uh, Brian, I think uh, Prophet is uh, mostly wanted to say something uh, concerning this. Mm -hmm. 
Oh yeah, I was just um just thinking back um when she was saying about her experience how um he how he stabbed her to get um stabbed but um he hit me really hard in the face and really um did some damage to my face. I couldn't go to work. But um I mean, it's it's just so real. I mean, during the time that um he hit me in the face. I, he wouldn't allow me to go to to work. He wouldn't allow me to go to the doctor to see about myself. So I actually had to um, wait till he went back to work in order to go to the doctor. But um, you know, even with that, you know, sometimes the women feel like you know when they get hit or they they don't want to call the, the the police or they don't want anybody to know. I just want to encourage them tonight that's listening. I mean, if if you're going through it right now, don't, I mean, it don't take but one split second to lose your life. I mean, that knife could have punctured her heart. That blow to my face could have just, you know, took me out. I mean, it it doesn't take but one time, you know, to get hit in the wrong place or get thrown around the wrong way. You know, so so if you listening tonight, take it take it and strive. Take what we're saying and strive, and know that these spirits are real. Real, these spirits are out to not just you know hurt hurt you, but to destroy and kill your future and the plan that God has for your life. You know, so what you're hearing tonight, I mean, it, it's real. This is real, real a real issue. And I mean, if you're listening tonight and you're in this situation. Take heed, take heed. Mm. Mm. Wow. And Brian Janelle said it happened to her one time. Yes. And, and that's one too many. That's one too many. You know, it it was really tough hearing this because, you know, I know people personally who have gone through this. And, wow, this is tough. This you know, I, I we talked about um, the last guest, one of the last guests we had on, um, Richard Dean Kaiser, and I talked about how tough that interview was. Listening to this is much tougher. Yeah. You know, because when I think about somebody wanting to do something like this to a woman, you know, and this is God's beauty, his creation that came from a man, and then for someone to want to do something like that, it's just, it breaks my heart. And, you know, we know this isn't the man that's doing it. It's the spirit in that man that we have to get out of that man. And I think that's why it's so important that that we have a show like this. And I keep reiterating that we need to get the word out. We need to talk about these type of things so that they, history doesn't repeat itself. You know, I don't want to be on uh, the radio talking about this 10 years from now saying the same thing that I'm saying right now. I want to be able to say We've overcome this. We've gotten rid of this, this, this bad, this sickness. You know, this this foul spirit. You know, but um, I'm I'm getting uh, text messages from folks like left and right, and I'm trying to keep <laughs> up with everything here because. Yes, I. You know what, Brian? I had a question for Robin. Robin, as, as you look back over your life, and, and you you have, uh, I think, two beautiful children now. And I don't know if you're married now. Uh, it, and I wanted to ask this to 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 all of the women on here, but Robin, I want you to go first. 
have you forgotten how to love or are you stopping or keeping yourself from loving another man um, the way that you know that you should be loved? Is, is that a problem for you now? Um, I think for the most part I've, you know, stayed single, but I have been able to love, um, you know, somebody. And But I know through God, and, and that's the most important thing, is that I know that I am supposed to be loved by a man that is kind and caring and considerate of me and my feelings and is supposed to treat me good. And I, I know that, that that's what, what is what God wants for me. Um, as of now, I'm single, and <laughs> it, it's very hard to trust somebody. That, I think, is, is my, my biggest thing is distrust and, um, you know, fear of, I mean, yeah, sometimes I, I am scared, you know, because you never know, you know. But I do know the good thing is, is though, I, I know the warning signs now, and, if I if I am with somebody or seeing somebody, I can say, hey, this is this is not good. This is a dysfunctional relationship, and and this isn't you know this isn't going to go in a good direction. And I can pull myself back from that. And I'm you know I'm not scared to do that. Tony, what what are some of the warning signs that you just said? What are some of the warning signs that women should look for in, when they first start dating a man? I mean, the very first thing. Um, basically what I would say is just, you know, anybody that's trying to at all control anything that you do, you know, telling you what you can do, what you, what you can't, like, that's, that's how I notice, um, or something being obsessive in a sense, um, even to me, what, what is something is spending time with you, um, you know, if somebody is overly aggressive in that sense, and, seems like they have to have every minute of, of your, you know, of your time every day. And that, for me, that's, that's a warning sign that it's, it's not healthy. Um, and, and boundaries, um, you know, basically that, that, that starts it off for me. And usually it doesn't go much further than that right. um, for me. It's, it's, it's that, you know, because I, I, I do think that, personally that anybody that's overly aggressive like that and and that gets angry about the simplest things you know that would be you know something that would be a warning sign for me too wow and tony what what are are some of the signs tony um she said it i I basically uh you know the tree by the fruit that it bears so you know a good man won't do evil things and an evil man won't necessarily be good in, in a general sense, um, like she said, controlling and uh, a man that demeans you. If, I mean, if he talking about your weight, about your looks, about your intelligence, and a man, like she said, that wants to spend a whole lot of time with you, it's normally because he's empty and he's incomplete and he's looking for you to complete him. It's, almost, it's similar to that scared child that clings to, to that teddy bear or that stuffed animal. That's how that that grown boy is. He he's a grown boy and he needs something to hug, something to love. But at the same time when when you're mad, you take that stuffed animal and you beat it up against the wall and sling it around and try to rip the legs off, then you may take and stitch it back together, you know, and, and love on it some more, but then you'll rip it apart again. And so it's very similar to that. So women have to 
go into a relationship already completed. And this is to the parents that's listening right now. Affirm your children. Uh, young women, they're they, they seeking relationships and they're seeking love, and a lot of times it's not even in their mind. Their body calls it of them, and they don't even know it. From the day their menstrual period starts is when their body is preparing for birth, and that's why the period starts. And in the Bible, you know, women had kids, 13, 14, and was married, and so their body starts so early, and they may think guys have cooties or whatever, but soon their body is longing for that, and parents have to... This is the warning sign that's most important that the parents see, okay, now we need to kind of ex exemplify what love is. Teach her. Make a chart and put it on your child's wall. Love is and love isn't. And instead of us teaching women how to exit, we must also teach women how to enter. And they'll learn that by learning what love is and what love isn't, what a relationship is and what a relationship isn't. So when they see those bad fruits, they'll be able to recognize it early, whether it's a week or whether it doesn't show until six months. But as soon as they see it, they say, okay, okay, this goes under the love isn't side. It was nice knowing you. You're a great person, but you still need to learn what love is. I'll talk to you later. But since they don't know, they just accept it and they grow with it. And so, I mean, there's so many signs, and this thing is so so huge, but I think what we're doing tonight is definitely going to help. Yeah. Um, gentlemen, can I say something? Sure. Okay. Um, I'm sorry. This is Christy. I just wanted to say um, that for the women, um, I know that a lot of women don't understand where to go when they realize the situation that they're in. And first of all, um, there's since the since the running theme here is the Lord and God and 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 the Bible. Um, there is nowhere in Scripture whatsoever um, does it have self-love. Um, and first of all, if you want to, I mean, if we were to take a look at that, you would see um, in First Timothy three one through five it says that, but know this that in the last days perilous times will come, for men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient, unthankful, unholy, self-controllers. Um, I'm sorry, without self-control, brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, hefty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having form um, of of no godliness and denying its power. And um, for women that, you know, those are the things to watch out for, men that are only seeking to self-love because when you love yourself, first and you don't have God before that, then you're idolizing yourself, first of all. Um, and to really understand what true and pure love is, these are the things that women need to look out for when they're even thinking that, okay, Lord, who is the man that I should be with? Not going out and searching for yourself, but waiting for the Lord to really bring you that man. Because when you are obedient to the Lord and you're patient and you're waiting for God to bring you that man, it eliminates all the sin that comes with that. And abuse is probably one of them. And um, true love, love suffers long and is kind. Love does not envy. Love is not parading itself. It does not puff up. Love does not behave rudely. It does not seek its own. It is not provoked. Love thinks no evil. Love does not rejoice in its iniquity, but it rejoices in the truth. It bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never fails. And that is First Corinthians thir um, 13, 
one through eight, and there's so much more. And for the women that um, they're trying to figure out what to do, um, you know, if you read Jeremiah 10, um, if you if you have a Bible and you read it, and Jeremiah 10:23, your natural wisdom is inadequate to direct your steps. And 10:23 will confirm you, confirm to you that it says, "Oh Lord, I know the way of man; it is not in himself; it is not in man who walks to direct his own steps." We have to lean on the Father to know what to do, and God will tell you what to do. And if you really love the man that you're with, and it's true love, and he's abusing you, you you flee from that evil, you go to the authorities, and you take a time so you can be safe, and be safe for your children if you have them, and then you pray for that man. You pray for him, and you pray that God will change him, Mm. and then let him direct the rest of your steps. So, you know, the Lord will always be with you. The first thing is first, you need to ask the Lord to become your Savior and say, Lord, I recognize where I am. I recognize that I am no one without you. I have no worth without you. Um, But I was created in your image, and I need you to guide me and direct me. Will you be my Lord and Savior? And and after that, he will guide you and direct you when you um, come to him with your heavy heart, with your burdens, and with with nothing that you have to offer. But he just wants to accept you because he loves you that much. that's that's basically what I had to say about that. Powerful, powerful, powerful. Uh, yeah. Brian, I think you had a caller. Yeah, I want to go to this caller. They've been uh, waiting to tell their story, and so I want to bring them on. Caller from the 386 area code. You're on live with the Abundant Solutions Hour. Hi. Hello. Hello. Hi. How are you? I'm good. Hi, Brian. Hi. <laughs> I'm Brian's sister. I'm Tracy. Oh, hi, Tracy. How are you? Good. I was once in a, in a abusive relationship, and it had really gotten bad. But in the beginning, it wasn't. It started out pretty good. But then as years went by, it got really bad. Um, he would just hit on me for no reason, no reason at all. He wouldn't want me to go anywhere. I would just sit home. He told me at one point he didn't want me to go anywhere. He just wanted me to sit home and look at the walls and wait on him to come. He would call me all kind of nasty names, call me all kind of the H word, the B word. He said no one wanted me. He'd talk about how I looked, said I was ugly, and that he was the only one that wanted me. I mean, it had gotten so bad while I was walking around with black eyes. Um, and then we have a son together. He started seeing all of this, so he started what he was seeing. He started taking it out on his sisters. So I had I had to put a stop to it. And how I put a stop to it is, it went on. We were together for seven years, but the abuse didn't start in the beginning of the relationship. It started maybe like in the middle, but then it started getting um, worse. Um, he came he he came into my apartment one night. He didn't have my key, but I stayed in the, in the project, and he had master keys to all of the apartments. And he used his master key to get into my apartment because I had ended the relationship. He didn't. He couldn't take no for an answer. He refused to take no for an answer because I had had enough. I, I had had enough. It was time for me to move on because I saw what he was doing to me was affecting my son. And I didn't want him growing up thinking it was okay for him to hit on women because it's not. So I just decided to end it. So he came into my apartment one night with his master key, and he it was right after the O.J. Simpson trial. He had a gun in his hand, and he bust in there, and he said, I'm going to do you just like O.J. did them. And he put the gun to my stomach, and I started screaming. 
Well, the lady next door heard me screaming, so she called the police. I tried to get to a phone, but I couldn't. He snatched the phone out the wall. He kicked glass everywhere. My son was just screaming. It was it was really bad. So by the time the police had gotten there, he had already left. Um, and he some of his when some of his he was with a few of his cousins. Well, they came back and told the police officers that he didn't have a gun. And I said he did have a gun. And I know a lot of women gonna think I'm crazy when I say this, but I went to court. And I asked the judge to drop the charges. He did not serve any jail time. He didn't get any probation. Mm. But I want to tell the women now, if you're in a abusive relationship, the best thing for you to do is to get out now. To get out now because I had to deal with I I went through a lot with my son seeing that he's much better now. He's, as a matter of fact, he's doing much better. And mm. I tell them all the time, do not hit a woman. I don't care what she does to you or what she says to you. If you get angry, walk away. If you have to punch a wall, hit a wall. But do not put your hands on a woman. Only cowards do that. And I'm glad you had the courage. You know, a lot of times people won't come on and say, well, I'm the, the brother or the sister of the one of the hosts. You know, but I'm glad you had the courage to let people know who you are because this thing is very real. And like people heard me say earlier, this this is a very an emotional show for me because I have personal ties with um, with people who've gone through this. You know, so I just think it's great that my sister was able to come on and tell her story and tell people that this thing is real. Yeah. You know, and the fact that she not it doesn't just affect the person that is being abused but it also affects the abuser, and it affects the people that are around them. Like she talks about how my nephew, her son, was affected by that. Yeah. yeah. And he would begun to take it, the same aggression that he saw from his father out on his sisters. Mm-hmm. You know, right, so I think I, we have about one, two, oof, five or six we, more callers in, and we promised everybody that we would uh We would get to them. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Yes, but we thank you, Tracy, for calling in. Yeah, and thank you so much, Tracy. You're welcome. Right. Bye-bye. Bye. All right, let's try to get to as many callers as possible here. We're going to start with our first caller, who I believe uh, had called in way before the show had even started. Caller, you're live. Linda, I believe it was. Linda, Linda. are you there? Yes. Hi, Linda. Sorry we took so long to get to you, but we wanted to, 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 to get to the meat of this thing. Thank you so much for holding on. you have a question or comment? Yes, my name is, can you hear me? Yes, yes. I can. Okay, Selinda so Jones. Um, I'm a proud victim, and I know some people who have been in abusive relationships, and I commend um, Sir and Christy for staying in there because I believe that out of every bad situation, there is something good. And I believe that God has great things in store if you can just go through a situation and see what your purpose in life is. And I understand that a lot of women that I know are are in abusive relationships, but they under they, they don't understand that love don't hurt. They don't really um, love themselves, and that's sometimes why they let that person abuse them and say it's okay. I had a family member that um, she's a she was a beautiful girl. She and she had morals. She had goals in life, but she's always went from it was like a change reaction from one bad relationship 
to another bad relationship. And I just, you know, it was something on the inside of her where people always put her down and nobody really opened the door to hear what she had to say. So when she got in these abusive relationships, whether they just made her feel comfortable or whatever, and then when they abused her, she thought it was okay because I guess she just thought, well, maybe he, he'll listen and maybe it's okay if he does this. But I'm, I'm here to say that my cousin, she died about five years ago because this man, he hit her in the head, and she was bleeding on the inside. And no one knew that she was bleeding on the inside, even when she went to the hospital. She never really worked a job, so her, she didn't have no insurance, so they really wouldn't see her. But she put a tower over her face, and my um, you know, family members walked out the door. When they came back home, she was dead. So out of all that, I mean, it is somebody. You know, there are problematic people walking around today, but everybody that's gone through abuse, what we got to realize that every trial that we have gone through, that's where we are known to that. Mm-hmm. A lot of times we deal with personal issues, but are we really there to help people that have gone through? I mean, your spirit can contract another person that's gone through. And we are the voices that have to be there for them to let them know, hey, I, could, I can help you. There is a solution out there. Mm. Thank you. you know, to help you with your situation because it's, it's, you know, men have anger. I was a female that grew up in a home where my dad had a domineering spirit. My mom humble. So that, you know, spirits are real. They're not fake. They're real. But the spirits came to me as the oldest daughter, and I was angry for years. I used to wake up angry. I used to be so mean. But then through all of that, my trials and my tribulation, my anger, I found out who I was. I got my self-esteem back. But there are people out there with solutions to help problematic women. And before I go, I just want to say for the women that are being abused, love yourself. True. So true. So true. All right. Thank you. Thank you for that caller. All right. Our next caller well, first of all, let me say, does anybody want to comment on that? I just I just want to say I commend um, Sir and um, Tony um, and Christy even for, you know, uh, them allowing God to come in their um, relationship and be the head of their marriage. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it, it some things does, you know, turn out that way, not in all situations. Mine did not turn out that way. You know, but you got to be willing, like Christy said, to allow God to be the head to lead you. You know, we cannot do this in our own strength. We not, we can't overcome. We can't live this life of victory, you know, without Christ. Um, but I really commend Tony and Sir for allowing God to come in and change them and create them to be the men that they need to be. Awesome, awesome, powerful. Amen, amen. Uh, All right, like let's to go to... on what that lady oh. spoke about. Okay, go ahead. If women, if more women don't stand up for this, then it's not going to change. If if men don't reach out to other men and 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 tackle this head on, and, and they look the other way, it's not going to change. You know, we have a responsibility now that we have this knowledge to do something. And I think one of the biggest things is women don't be afraid to to call the cops. Don't be afraid to. You know, I I have a work with a lady who was abused, and she goes, you know. I had to uproot my family and go to a, a 
uh, domestic violence shelter. She's on now through that I had to drop communication with my parents for a while and, and my family members because he would go to them to try and find out where I was. But that's what she had to do, and she is now at the point of restoration with her, her ex, not to, to have a, a relationship in a marriage, but to say, hey, look, you still have some sons that you have to, you know, hopefully raise properly, you know, and, and she can talk to him now. But it took that time of, of getting away, then doing something, not, not sitting there and allowing it to continue. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's true. All right, let's go to the caller from the 229 area code. Caller, you're live on the Abundant Solutions Hour. Hello. Yes. Uh, my name is Tracy Anderson. Hi, and Tracy. I was a, how are you? Good. Good. Okay. I, um, I was a victim of domestic violence. And my thing was, my mother gave me up at three weeks old. And my grandmother raised me, but she didn't show that love that I needed. So I was looking for love in other places. And when I got with um, my first husband, which he was very abusive, and um, the first couple of years was okay, but afterwards, you know, he started, I would see him with other women, and he would see me. And he, if I would say anything to him about it, he would um, jump on me. Mm. And the first time that he hit me, you know, afterwards he apologized. And at the time I didn't know what to do. And because I wanted to be loved so much that he would tell me that he loved me. And, you know, after he would hit me, and then he would say he was sorry that he loved me. And, you know, I thought at the time that everything was okay. But um, I'm here to say that the first time that they hit you, to move out, to leave, because it does not stop there. They might say that they're sorry, but they're really not. My husband had got so bad to, um, I was going to school at the time, and he came out to the schoolhouse and jumped on me. And I stayed in a relationship for eight years. And when I finally had enough, I mean, I would pray. I would pray all the time. Even when he'd come home, you know, I'd pray that, you know, that he wouldn't hit me anymore. I had nowhere to go. My family was in New York. I'm in Georgia. And I had no one to talk to because I was with his family. And, you know, they would do things that, you know, help him to have outside women, you know, they have him have him to um, meet the girls at their house and stuff. And so I couldn't go to them. So when I finally got enough of it, I left one weekend and I got me a motel room out of town. And I just stayed in the room for two days and I just prayed. I cried and I prayed and I asked God, you know, to help me to get out of this because I had three small kids that wasn't wow, his. That's powerful. That's that's, you know, we, we call. We had another um, person on the show that that went through something similar to that, and I think it was Robin. Robin, are you still there? Yeah. Yes, I, I think you were in a situation similar to that because you you weren't with your family. 
and you were being mistreated by just pretty much verbally being abused for uh, just being there. Um, and, and I think you even said at one point you were homeless. Yeah, well, I was um, living, we, him and I were living together um, with friends of ours, and it got to the point where I just, I had to leave. And when I would go somewhere else to stay, he would always, you know, he would follow me and cause problems and continue to beat me. And nobody just, nobody wanted us there, you know, because they didn't want to, you know, have that drama around their family. So, yeah, it was it was a really hard situation. Brian, um, I, I think you. I know. I know you had another question, so I'm gonna let you go ahead. Well, you know, it, what's so, you know, I, I don't want to use the word sad, but it makes you feel sad. The thing that's so sad about it is that all these women that are out here that aren't talking about it, and their stories are so similar. Yes. You know, I mean, I could see the similarities in all of these stories. Everything turned out really nice. Then all of a sudden, this person changed. They were doing things. And, you know, it was like an issue of control. And then, you know, or, you know, they wanted something that, or they made, the, they, you know, they, it was something that they triggered in that person. You know, and it's like all these stories sound so similar that, you know, it's like, wow, how could they all be the same? You know, and the same underlying line is that someone is trying to exert their power over you. And however they're able to do it, whether it's physical abuse, verbal abuse, um, some, something that we haven't really talked about tonight is economic abuse. Money. Yeah. Money. It, you know, it, it, especially if the woman does not work or if that she works and doesn't make enough to sustain herself and she, you know, and she's dependent on that man to take care of her, he'll use economic abuse to keep her you know, don't spend any money, but he'll spend money freely. Don't do this, but he gets to do whatever he wants to do. You know, won't buy her a nice outfit, we'll, but will go out and buy his other women nice outfit or jewelry, and she knows about it. See, that's another form of, of abuse. And sexual abuse also. And that's, sexual abuse. That comes hand in hand a lot with women who are with abusive men, I think, Um and I think Janelle touched on that a little bit too. Mm-hmm. I think hers. I think she said it, it, it happened to her, and she was only seventeen at the time. Janelle, am I correct? If she's still yes, you're her. correct. Yes. And, and did did this guy go to prison, or did he go to jail, or did you just walk away from it? I just walked away from it. I didn't. I didn't because I didn't tell anybody. And I so think. He, he, yes. Go ahead. I'm sorry. No, because I was going to say, because he, he told me that if I said anything, he would kill my family. So I kept silent. And, Tony, is that the norm? Is this something that, that that's happening all over the place now? And I know that you mentor and you have your programs, and I know that you really can't talk about the things that you talk with your clients about. But, uh, I mean, just uh, us just speaking, is this something that happens all the time? Yeah, it happens all the time, and I would say some form of abuse happens in every relationship, whether it's uh, verbal abuse, physical abuse, sexual abuse. I mean, it, it normally starts 
uh, with the verbal abuse, and so many people ignore it, and that's what I want to highlight because sometimes the words cut so much deeper than, than that bruise. You know, I'd rather you punch me in my eye than to call me worthless, stupid, ugly, dumb, fat, you know. And so a lot of times that verbal abuse is just as bad, and we can't let the men out there that's lost and confused, we can't let them escape by saying, oh, you know what, I ain't never hit a woman, but yet he called her ugly and worthless, and he the only thing, you know, she can she can get. And so we have to c- confront those men, too, and let them know that, you know, you're not a man yet. You, you're a grown boy. Um, you do have a purpose. There is a place for you in the world, but you need to find that and realize that, that you're no better than the next man who's putting hands on this woman and just because you are talking down to her and verbally abusing her. But in, in majority, every relationship uh, client that I've had, there's been some form of abuse. And the ones that um, don't have abuse is the ones like or men who've already overcame that in their life or have already been affirmed or have found that purpose. And now that purpose is, is, is bigger than anything. My wife, you know, she she get on my nerve a lot. It's real. <laughs> they get on your, get on your nerve, you know. She, my wife, she like to play a lot. You know, she's strong. She like to wrestle, which that could get dangerous. So I tell her, you know, the Bible says, hey, don't, don't just enjoy and, it, you know, because that, that leads to more problems. I was drinking a Sprite the other day. I turned it up to drink it. She hit it. The stuff ran up my nose. I'm spitting up. And I'm, you know, when I was lost, I probably would have went off. But because of the love of Christ, as soon as that happened, Jesus popped in my mind. And it said, be patient. Be temperate. I got on up. I, I shook it off. I, she was blowed. And so the bottom line, the common denominator, no matter what form of abuse it is, the common denominator, like Christy said, love conquers all. Us loving one another and us realizing what love is. Love conquers all. So I say to women, when you come out of an abusive, abusive relationship, don't look back and call that man a scumbag. Don't look back and call him useless, worthless. Don't tell other men. Don't tell a man that he useless, that he useless if he hit a woman. Because when you say that to a man that's lost and confused, that's going to make him even more angry. That's going. But when you show him love, remember that a soft answer turns away wrath. So when you show love and, and you give love to that man, like Sonia said, she felt bad for him. She, she forgave him. She felt sorry for him. That's love. If she write him a letter or she contact him and say, through all you put me through, I love you. And I'm sorry that it had to happen, but I forgive you. When you do that, it it, it could break a man down. Love conquers all. Brian, are you still there? Yes, Brian, are you still there? Somehow I think we got disconnected. But, uh, sir, are you there? Yeah. Sir, you know, when your wife was talking about love and how powerful it is, and Sonia was talking about how powerful love is, is this something that you teach when you when you meet with your group on a weekly basis? Um, when uh, when I meet with my evangelism with with the evangelism team, we my main focus is love. If if they don't see tears in your eyes, they need to hear it in your voice. 
and, and what I mean by that is you can't go out and tell somebody, you know, we give law to the proud, but when they're at that point where they realize where they're at, you gotta you got to reflect that love no matter the response. We go out and sometimes we have people just degrade us and mock God and, and, and put us down. And the, our response has to be in love because they're not going to remember anything else at that point. If we make a comment, they'll remember that more than any other thing we said. And that is one thing that is very big in, in our group is you have to show that love. You have to show the love that Christ is giving you. Mm-hmm. To to the world because you're the image of Christ. Every Christian is the image of Christ. You are the face of Christ because you go out and you're telling people about Christ and they're like, you tell me about your Jesus by the way you, you you're representing Him. That's how I'm gonna know your Jesus by the way you represent Him. That's mm-hmm. how I'm gonna know your God. Mm-hmm. And it's very true that love conquers all because you know if my wife, you know the one thing that that. It's wrong for a woman to say, especially in an abusive relationship, is that you're not a man for hitting a woman. We already know we're not men for hitting you. Exactly. That All that's going to do is get you hit at this very moment. Exactly. You know, and, and, and you know, that's a dangerous spot for a woman to, to say that. We know we're not men. We know deep inside we're not men. And when you say that, the only way we know how to shut them up at that time is to go to resort back to that. And, and and let them know, look, you don't speak to me like that. And we don't do it in that manner of like, please don't speak to me like that. We're mad. But to flip it and show the love. I mean, my wife had so much patience with me, and she displayed love in a way i never seen it before. Because I was so used to uh, being raised as when, when, when I acted up, my parents were like, you're gone. Get out of here. Go live with the other parent. Then I acted up with her. You're gone. Go live with your aunt. I acted up over there. You're gone. you got to go live with your uncle. I mean, I was getting booted around. And that that was my that was my way of understanding. Okay, when I mess up here, she's just gonna boot me, and I'll go somewhere else. Mm. And that's 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 so sad. Go ahead, Tony. I I think I heard you. I was I was saying, Amen. I, I, and it's so so huge uh, what Sir said because so many women, you know, I understand that it it was it hurt to be beat on. And that it's guarded. I mean, it makes me mad. It, it enrages me to hear Robin's story. I'm like, man, I wish I was there so I could fold that cat up. You know, he needed to be whooped. But then at the same time, I have to remember I was there. My my little sister was going through this thing, and this young man, you know, went there with her. And, I, like, I, I was telling you about it, Greg. I grabbed yeah. my pistol, yeah. And, yeah. and God, he grabbed me. As soon as I grabbed that pistol, he showed me. He said, no, remember, you was that man. So you, what I end up doing is picking that young man up and driving that young man an hour at around 3 in the morning. I'm driving him to another place to stay, and the whole way I ministered to him. I, I, I gave him love because I could have went over there and walked his behind him. I could have went over there and put a gun to his head. I could have did it, but I showed him love. And so what women have to realize and what they must understand what I teach is the rules of engagement. Yes, you in it. Yes, you hurt. Yes, uh, it angers you. It frustrates you. But a soft answer turns away wrath, and love conquers all. So remember, when you're engaging in war, this man battling himself every day, remember there's rules of engagement. You can't attack that man's manhood. You can't attack his insecurities because that's throwing fuel on that fire. But instead, you you give love, and and, and you, even if, even by leaving, even by calling the police, that's love. 
you showing him love by calling the police or leaving. But the worst thing you could do as a woman is in that in that moment to call him a punk, to call him a coward, to say you're not a man, or to grab his clothes and throw him in the street. That that all of that is adding is dumping fuel on that fight. But beat him with love, win him with love. I say. Awesome. That's powerful. Can I, Greg? Yes, I was coming right I, to you. Yes, go ahead. I, can, I agree with Tony, but I, that's better said than done. Um, it was moments, you know, that I just, you know, six years of going through that, and every day you've been degraded verbally, physically. You know, you get to a point where you lose some type of respect for his manhood, and it would be moments when I would just, because of his actions, I just lost some respect for him as a man. It will be in those heated moments I would say certain things. But, I mean, like you said, the love of Christ does conquer all. And, you know, you have those moments that you will you will come out of yourself like that. Yeah, I know it. And, you know, it, it, it's so important. And, and please don't take this the wrong way, ladies. But when a man is in... That state, you know what state he's in. You know that you can say certain things that will that will uh, break him down or uh, challenge his manhood or anything like that. And, and, and Sonia and I were talking. You're so close to your death when you do something like that. There, there, there's no one there but you and this man, and you can't handle him physically. But and I'm not saying that you shouldn't, uh, you should just cow down to him, but what I'm saying is you need to live to see another day. That situation needs to stop. Yeah. And when you're in it and you're saying certain things, and, and, and I think Sir said it best, when you're raging like that, you, you I mean, you really have to uh, back off. And, and then sometimes you even have to back down to make this man come back to himself. Mm-hmm. A- am I right, sir? Do you understand what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. As as we were, as I want to say, Tony was talking. I was thinking of some of the emotions I would feel as I was going through it. Um, we do feel less less of a man. We know that we're losing that respect, and at the same time, we're fighting so hard to try and gain that respect. And I know there's times where I get heated, and I'll say something to my wife, and I'll. I'll turn around and, and it's like, why did you do that? And I'll sit there and it's like, I'll think of, man, you got, I mean, mm, I mean, there's the cleanup. You think of the cleanup and it's like, if I just didn't even say it, because I really don't mean it. You know, I'm saying it out of anger. I'm saying it because I feel like she, she, she pushed a button and I got to, like, one-up her. And I don't mean it, you know. It, it's it's in the, the anger and the, in the, the heat of the moment and I start spitting out stuff. And it was like that when I when I was abusive to her. I would I would hit her, and I didn't mean to hit her. I mean, I didn't want to hit her. I, mean, I didn't start the night thinking, you know, I'm gonna knock her out tonight. That's that's a good idea. But when wow. she said when she said something that sparked me, that that got me, or even something small where I didn't know how to react, or I felt stupid. I mean, I resorted to, you know, I might feel stupid, but you're below me because I'm gonna hit you. And you know what else too is that. Um I don't, for me anyways, and I, and, I, and I would think that it would be the same, but usually the comments from the females come out during a verbal altercation. It's when you're going back verbally back and forth. Um, yeah. For me, when, I'm get, when my husband was smacking me and being physically abusive, I knew to keep my mouth shut. Um, but it was, 
you know, verbally when he started putting me down after a while, it was like, you know, oh, heck no, he's not going to say this. And there was even one time physically where I had enough, and when I came, when he choked me to the point of blacking out, I woke up and I backhanded him and gave him a bloody lip and told him he was never going to hit me again or else I was going to kill him. There comes a point when women just, for some women anyways, for some women um, when they realize their strengths or, I mean, we don't have strengths um in ourselves but only in the Lord but when you think you have strength and all of a sudden you're going to man up to your man it doesn't do any good to the, for the situation because now that love of Christ that could possibly have been shown in that situation is no longer there there's it, it does not there's no glorification for for the Lord at that point and the purpose of life and the only one purpose why God created us was to worship him and glorify him by our actions daily. And so we have an opportunity on a daily basis, even for being an abused women, to to glorify him and worship him in our actions. And that means to just keep your mouth shut to your man, but to definitely go go and, and talk to somebody about it if it's verbal abuse and to go tell authorities if you know, if it's physical, you know, whatever, but I, you know, I think the verbal altercations is when women start talking back, and you know what I mean. That that's how it was for me, anyways. Yeah, yeah. I think Brian had something. Brian, are you there? Are you there? Yes, I'm here. I was going to say we have about four minutes left in the show, and as always, we like our all of our guests to give out their information if they do uh, speaking engagements. We want them to give out their contact information. And because we have so many gifts on tonight, I want to go ahead and start doing that now. But first I want to say thank you to everyone that called in, everyone that sent emails, uh, Twitter messages, text messages, Facebook messages, uh, MySpace. Uh, We thank you for listening. We thank you for supporting our shows. And we also thank the guests, all the panel guests tonight, uh, because this was an absolute necessary show and I keep saying that and I'm going to keep saying that until we get more people involved in this stop the domestic violence movement yes I guess we can start out first with sir sir are you available you and your wife are you guys available for speaking engagements or, or are you talking with any certain group back and forth through email or whatever you want to give uh, yes whatever you want to give we're open for anything that would allow us to uh and, and 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 praise God and, and give glory to Him for what He's done in our lives. So yes, we are very open. Uh, you can reach us at the Hebrews at yahoo.com. That's T H E R O D E H E A V as in Victor E R S at yahoo.com. And uh, you know, through that, we can definitely connect through there and and go from there with with phone calls and, and, and so forth. I don't want to give out the number because right, right. I don't know if some, you know. <laughs> we understand. We understand. So, yes, but we are very open for uh, speaking engagements and so yes. forth. Okay, good. Thank you. Janelle? Yes. Um, I'm open for speaking engagements, um, you know, to young, uh, young teenage women and also uh, young adult women as well. And um, my information is, my email address is Janelle at JanelleTheModel.com, and that's J-E-N-E-L-L-E. That's how you spell it. Yes, okay, okay. Uh, Sonia? 
Yes, I'm available for speaking engagements. Also, um, you can contact me on MySpace. It's www.myspace.com slash WODP Ministries. Okay. And Tony. Yes, sir. Um, you can reach me through my site, whatdaddynevertold.com, or either reclaimtheyouth.com. I have a truth tour which is for young women and men speaking about relationships. And I also have a Claim the Day tour, which speaks about identifying gifts and giving them purpose. And I have mentoring packages, workbooks, and two books, What Daddy Never Told Little Girl, and Reclaiming Our Youth One Day at a Time. Yes, and I, I'm not sure who else we, we have on that would probably be willing to um, come out and speak. But, Robin, did you have anything? Did you have any closing remarks? Um, not really. Um, I guess the one thing that, that I can, can just say that, you know, that God has done for me was just being able to have the ability to not, um, hate my abuser and, um, be vindictive. You know, I really pray that, that God will eventually, um, be able to touch his life and, you know, be able to let him make a difference in this world to other people someday. Awesome. Awesome, awesome. And with that being said, you've been listening to The Abundant Solutions. Hour. We thank you so much for joining us, and we ask that you come and join us on Monday evening at 9 o'clock p.m. Eastern Standard Time, where we'll have another exciting and wonderful show. We thank you. Good evening to you all, and God bless everyone. Thank you so much. Thank you, gentlemen. Wow. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.